This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. That was great. Isn't she wonderful? Isn't oh my she, gosh. She's so fun and funny and just a great sense of humor. And she is just so fun to listen to and talk to and oh. Hi, Lori here. That was how Helena and I reacted after finishing up our conversation with today's guest, Barbara Emoti. Barbara is a professor and a sewing teacher and a lifelong sewing enthusiast who lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. You might know her blog, Sewing on the Edge. Barbara is also the author of the upcoming book, Sew, the Garment-Making Book of Knowledge, Real Life Lessons from a Serial Sewist. We hope you enjoy meeting Barbara as much as we did. But before we get to that conversation, just a quick reminder that we're taking your submissions. We'd love to hear your voice on this podcast. So hit up clothesmakingmavens.com to check out the questions we want you to answer. It's really simple to record your answers and send them in, and we'll be featuring a bunch of those on our next episode. In the meantime, let's get to our conversation with Barbara Umodi. So nice to meet you in person, by the way, Barbara. Oh, well. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking me. I'm just always delighted that somebody wants to talk about sewing, and particularly this time of year when there's all the work, although I've been sewing my brains out, so this is good. I understand you have been sewing your brains out. I saw some of your posts. Well, Barbara, why don't you tell us about what you've been sewing lately? Yeah, since you're not members of my family, I can tell... Okay, I have done four dress shirts. Oh, wow. Two nightgowns. Three pairs of pajamas, 11 toiletry bags, the retreat pattern from Emmeline Bags, which is a gorgeous pattern. Um, something for my husband, but he's in the room, so I can't discuss that. <laughs> and I did some high-risk behavior sewing. I have a daughter-in-law that I really like, and I just last night finished a cork and leather handbag for her. Ooh. Wow. I've never done anything like that. I've never sewn. I've sewn with leather before, but not cork. And it was way too thick. And I actually had to get the door of my sewing machine taped closed because it was, it was like crazy. But I did it. But it was one of those things like, if it doesn't work, I'll buy her something. But you never know. Like sewing's like that, eh? Like, let's just see if we can do it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the only thing I have left is Batman pajamas because I have a three-year-old who puts his face like this close to me and says, Babsy, you made my Batman pajamas. Well, I have to. I mean, even if I had to pull them all later, I'm making those Batman pajamas. Cute. So, yeah, so I've been busy. What about you, Helena? Have you done any gifts for the holidays? Well, I have plans. But they're not, none of them are completed. Literally none of them are completed at this point. And so, Isn't that great? Just so our listeners know, the date today is uh, December 22nd. Oh, yes. Let's, <laughs> so it's Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. And, and I have nothing done. I have things cut out, though. So, and that's the worst part, right? So I'll get to, I'll get to do that later. But I'm making pajamas. Um, I'm making my daughter this kimono out of this chiffon, which is really what I've been putting off because... A, working with chiffon is the worst thing in the world. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. And then I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to make bias tape 
for um, the edges of it, the front edges, and um, to give it some weight right here. And um, and then I have to make it out of rayon myself. And <laughs> so we're talking rayon strips cut on the bias. So I've been putting that off. Oh, probably good move. That's worse than a cork and leather handbag. Oh, thank you. Thank you. At, le at least she's 13 and she doesn't care. Like she, you know, of course I'm going to stress about it, but she will be happy because it's this fabric, you guys. It is this peacock, somewhat of a border print. Like the print is in the middle and it starts at this beautiful emerald green and then it goes through the um, peacock feathers in the middle and then it um, fades into a light blue and then the other border is like a dark midnight blue it's amazing fabric oh that yeah. sounds wonderful it's worth it i know that's what i'm hoping somebody needs to wear that fabric is basically what i'm saying you can do it <laughs> thank you search <laughs> that's right search everything yeah so says the sewing teacher you can you can hear that positive sewing teacher vibe coming from from you barbara you can do it you oh can i do need it. that yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah it's a, the main thing is you learn something that's really good you know <laughs> yeah that's so don't sew your uh christmas presents three days before christmas that might be what i'm gonna learn yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that's a good lesson yeah why not and you know you two here i thought i was being so uh incredibly virtuous and generous by sewing one lousy uh hoodie for my husband and then I hastily cut out a cosmetics bag for my mom last night. And I thought, look at me, sewing gifts. And then Barbara comes along and, wow, I well, can't believe yeah, how much yeah. you do. You know, I've never done this in my life before. Like, just to have you know, like, this is it. Like, this is, I went through this big, major birthday and I thought, I have this neighbor who did an early retirement and he was talking, he's sitting in his lawn chair and he said, well, I have to think of what I'll do in my remaining years. And I thought, I was so horrified. I was walking the dog. I thought, what a thing to say. I thought, well, what do I want to do? I thought, well, what do I care about? My family, my dog, and sewing. So I'm going to sew for my family and my dog. Well, I have a job and other stuff too, but yeah. So I decide, I'm expressing that it's all for myself, really. I probably won't right. ever do it again. But yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a good uh, prioritization exercise actually for anyone i mean big birthday or little birthday or you know it, yeah i think that's that's a valuable thing to do and sewing is i i taught my niece how to sew she was you know she's at that new boyfriend i'll make him a christmas present but i don't know how to sew thing so mm -hmm. she said Auntie Barbara, can I come over and you can show me how to make him an apron? So we did. We worked on it all night. And at the end of it, she said, she looked at it. It was really nice. She said, I feel so good. I know I made it. And then she looked at me. She said, do you feel this way every time you make something? I said, yes. I know. Yeah. And she <laughs> said, no wonder this is all you do. <laughs> yeah. That's super cute. Yeah. When you sew for family or friends, is there one thing that stands out in your mind, Barbara, about how much appreciation you got for that handmade thing? Um, yes, actually, just, yeah, just right now, I have a son who is uh, working in, a, in Austin, Texas for a windmill company, and I got spoon flour to print a, 
print of electrical circuits because, of course, wind energy produces electricity on Poplin, and I made him the shirt, and he was just so happy, and he went into work, and they said, oh, can your mom make those, you know, and he said, no, you really, she has to have given birth to you before she'll go to mama's work, <laughs> but that was, right. but you oh, sew for especially yourself. Especially a button-down shirt. Yeah, you sew for yourself. I mean, let's face it, you sew to avoid all that boring stuff in life you don't want to do, right? Yeah, yeah, cooking and dishes, and I get out of all that stuff. Yeah, and you're never bored, and you're always useful, yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. so that's the deal. And so... Is there a, was there a time when you put a lot of work into something and gave it to a family member and they were just like, meh, or are they smart enough to know now <laughs> how to react? One, my one son was in San Francisco. I made him a short sleeve shirt and he said, mom, can you just lengthen the sleeves a quarter of an inch? And I said like, are you, no. <laughs> I cut that off. Thank you. (laughs) But I mean, I, you know, most of my sewing is for myself. So, but yeah, no, that was the, that was the only time, but now they, they need me to mend enough stuff that I think they probably stay on my good side sewing wise. And you do the mending for them? Sometimes. And some stuff I don't like, I don't do zippers. Right. <laughs> you have your limits. I don't care about your jean zippers. You know, I will do it if it's interesting. But mo- mainly mending, I have a shelf that I put it on, and then I forget about it, and then I wait. Like I usually, after three or four years, they don't ask for it anymore, and then you can throw it out. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I I have a chair. You can kind of see behind me. I have a chair, and it's all. And so I put it on the chair specifically so I wouldn't forget about it, but. None of those things have moved for months. So now they're just kind of, that's how the chair looks now is uh, it's, <laughs> it's colorful. It's yeah, it's, it's colorful. Exactly. So Barbara, I understand you've also been teaching for teaching sewing for many years. Um, I know that you're also in your professional life. You're, you're a teacher, you're a professor at Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax in Nova Scotia, right? Uh, yes, I, yep. I mean, you have to pay for your fabric some way. (laughs) We know. I've done that, and I've done uh, politics. And actually, I will tell you a secret. Oh, goody. All right. Dish. I was a press secretary during a bunch of elections. And elections are really stressful. And so I had this big old school computer bag that I put a sewing machine in and then when they have these meetings I'd say I've, I've got to go up to my room to work and I take my bag and I go up and I just sew thinking oh, I just need to sew a little bit so I don't kill them all and like quit. And, and they all thought I was such a good worker and literally then I would get up in the morning early and just like dash off something and say oh, it worked on this last night and and they had no idea and I always care carded this around. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so who do we have to block from listening to this podcast to make sure your secret doesn't get out? Oh, former <laughs> premier might be a good idea. Okay. <laughs> Although he did ask me to do some mending once on the road. But anyway, yeah, and I, uh, I've taught sewing for a long time. Um, I taught, the first time I taught a formal sewing class was in Australia, and it was a, I was working, I was teaching, right, whatever, teaching writing in a school of architecture, and there was an interior design program, and they wanted to learn how to sew, so 
I uh, taught in kind of an extracurricular sewing class. And then there was also some welders who wanted to meet the girls doing interior design. So they took my sewing class. <laughs> and they were fantastic. And there were these two guys, they were the Crip brothers. And they were, they came in and I said, they'd never sewn before. I said, what do you want to make? And they said, velvet pants. And I thought, well, that's a good Ouch. starter project. <laughs> and they just looked at it and they said, okay, it's like sheet metal work. You cut her out flat and you make her round. And they were good. They were good. And I've been teaching ever since any chance I can get. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I do find that too. You know, my husband does woodworking and I have other friends that do metalworking and, uh, you know, I do some silversmithing and that sort of thing. And all of these maker type activities really have so many similarities uh, in terms of, you know, sewing is no different. You're, you're constructing something and you have to understand angles and, you know, do your measurements properly and, and all that sort of thing. So I can see where sewing is not so much of a stretch for someone who does construction or woodworking or that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I also think that the culture of sewing has been I think really diminished because it was a woman's activity, to be quite honest. I agree. It's mm -hmm. very sophisticated. And I have, I did some research for my book. I went to uh, FIT in New York and I got a research pass and I spent the best week of my life, like from, it's from nine in the morning to 10 at night going, like just reading all these books. And I realized that there was this sort of cell of women in the 60s, late 50s, and particularly 60s, who were engineers. They were clever women, but so they became, they went into home ec departments, and they applied these minds to sewing. Mm -hmm. And I found all these books that they had written that had been published, you know, Minnesota, you know, community press, and only in print probably for like five months, that were absolutely brilliant. And I realized that they were applying, they were very sophisticated uh, technical minds with a lot of, like, original theories. And that's all been kind of lost. It was their safe place. So I'm interested in also that woman's history, and I'm interested in how women now are expressing so many really important things, like the, the whole community aspect of sewing, which is this podcast, and sew-alongs, and blogging, and, and, and all of that. Women have used sewing as a way to connect to each other. It sounds practical, um, and you are, you're really a community of artisans, and a community that was actually excluded from a lot of artisanal work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really interested in that. And my grandmother was in a sewing circle called the So-and-Sos, and they formed just after <laughs> I know. They were so risque. And they met for about 60 years every month wow. and kept minutes. Can you believe it? They typed up minutes. <laughs> wow. And they... And, but when you read their minutes, they're kind of like, they're making a little this, making a little that. But they're in deep discussion about, you know, world wars, depressions, having children, having divorces. And they were allowed to go to the house and kind of meet in this group around sewing. So sewing, I think, allowed people to express technically, 
mathematically, you know, creatively, but also it was a, a place where women could be intelligent together. Oh, oh, that is so true. And that's so important. So important then, but still important because absolutely, we still have so far to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even more so. And I think being creative is very difficult in our society right now. And in some ways, sewing allows you to do that. It's actually quite an accessible kind of creativity. Like I'm blown away by the stuff I see in social media and the depths of uh, that people are, are committed to it. And I love, I mean, there's some beautiful blogs, but the ones I like are the women who post a picture, you know, with their bathroom on the mirror and, you know, they say, you know, pardon the mess, pardon the laundry, pardon the snotty-nosed kid, and, you know, pardon I don't make up. <laughs> but they, they've made something and they're so delighted. And I think, oh my God, that's my life. You are summing up my entire life on this earth and I so get you. And isn't, that's just, that sharing's fantastic. Yeah. Love the sewing community for that. It is so good for that. And lately, uh, socialist Jillian uh, from Crafting a Rainbow has been doing her series on who we are uh, and, you know, asking questions like, uh, what is your identity? Not so much necessarily about sewing per se, but just who are you as a person and to bring that to the table. And that expands our community too. It's so fascinating. It is. And when you dress yourself, you're presenting yourself. So I feel that sewing is particularly good for teenage girls where there's so much pressure to conform to a certain stereotype where you can create your physical, you can decide how the world looks at you and you're, you're in control of it rather than being a consumer. So I think one of the best things you could do for a teenage girl is give her a sewing machine. I agree. I wish uh, I my daughter is in junior high right now, so she's right in the throes of I want to be like everyone else. Yeah, and it's so tricky for her creativity because she has an amazing mind. She is fearless in the sewing room. She puts things together, and but she she won't step out of her box right now because she's still in that in the um, eighth grade. So she's thirteen. I'm hoping we're kind of building a base for her to launch her into high school and then she can like take that and take it in to build some confidence and and yeah and take control of how people perceive her because right now she's so reactive and I mean it's a hard time for for every yeah, girl everyone just but, wants to fit in mhm yeah so, Barbara, you mentioned that you were at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York on a research pass because you were working on a book. And I understand you have a book coming out in May of 2018, and it's going to be called So, the Garment-Making Book of Knowledge, Real-Life Lessons from a Serial Sewist. So that sounds super exciting. <laughs> tell us more about this book. Well, oh, I have to tell you something funny about the book. I actually decided, I'm trying to fix up my blog, but I'm too busy sewing, so I can't really do that yet. So, But I actually put that tagline on my blog, but Google has changed it to a serial sexist. So if you search my name, it says <laughs> Barbara Modi, serial sexist. And I can't change it. I've taken it up. And apparently has to be, which, I mean, I think it's funny. <laughs> it's typical. Well, okay, so this was the book. 
I was um, by myself, you know, I was looking at blogs one night, and I saw this coat, a wool coat somebody had made, and she tried really hard, and but I looked at the hem, and I thought, that hem's kind of pointy and lumpy, and I thought, you know, there's a trick for that. Like, if I could come over to your house, I could show you what we could do, right? You just put a little bit of flannelette in the, you know, a soft fabric needs a soft hem. And so you have to interface it with something soft, and then it will fold rather than go pointy. And I thought, rats! Because I have 50 years of kind of like oral history of sewing, and I thought, but I can't go over to her house. Um, so then I wrote this email to a publisher, like literally, you don't know me, but I have all this random stuff and I really want to tell people. Um, and, you know, I'd been a contributing editor of threads and stuff like that. Anyway, so I put that in and I sent it off and I forgot about it. It was just kind of almost like a comment, you know. So I sent it off and then about four months later, I'm in the changing room with a bunch of little kids and like at the pool. And try, trying to get them like to not lock themselves in lockers and things like that. And my phone beeps, <laughs> and it was CNT Publishers. He said, "We'd love to publish your book." Like, and and I, th- <laughs> and, I and you were like, "What book?" Yeah, and I looked at the kids, and then I looked at them, and I thought, I said, "Oh shit!" And then they said, "Baby, you're not supposed to talk <laughs> like that." And then I thought. Well, I kind of think of what I'm going to say. So that's the book. And my first draft was 900 pages because I just kind of like spit out all the stuff. And then they said, well, it's kind of like, you know, cut it back to like 200. So I did that. And then it was, we go, like we now we have kids in the States. So we go uh, in an RV because I always said I would travel everywhere from sleep in my own bed every night. So we do that. So we pack up the RV. I said to my husband, look, i got to write this book on the trip, and we, I have to sew stuff. So we put all the sewing machines and fabric, and that's what I did. We dr- I wrote it on picnic tables with my sewing machine plugged into the RV um, and an ironing board plugged into, like, State Park campgrounds. And I, that's when I, and I just put my little heart into it. But it was great. And I remember in one campground, there was kind of like a groundskeeper. He drove his little cart by, and he stopped, and he looked at me, and he started crying. And I said, oh, dear. And he said, you know, my mother's been dead a long time, but my mother used to sew when we were kids, and I haven't seen anybody do that since then. And I just thought, man, like this is, you know, this is something, this sewing thing. Yeah, it needs to be shared. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And I then I got to a post office, mail in the samples, and that's the book. The Serial Sex. Just is... like that, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> as easy as that. Everyone can do it. So what's what's the format? Because it says it's stories. So um, are they tips? Are they stories? Or how is it a narrative? How did you put it together? Um, well, I thought I divided it in chapters because I thought I'd better organize it. Right, right. So, like, there's a chapter on fabric. There's one on fitting. There's one on deciding what to sew. There's one on gear, um, you know, sewing machines and sergers. Uh, it, this is not, like, a brilliant division of, of <laughs> categories. Um, and then I just sat down and I put... I tried to write the things that would not be in 
a standard sewing textbook and not in on a pattern guide sheet. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, there there is so much that is missing in in so many of those and that's where newest sewists get tripped up when they're Especially not using Berta. <laughs> oh, yeah, Berta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, just it's just handy and it was I think the general theme is, you know, a lot of stuff they tell you to do, it's not going to work because it can't work. Cause, oh. Yes. And this is why. Because there's actually, there's so much kind of not, and often if you're a new sewer and you're just following instructions, you know, I've tried to put in all the stuff they're not telling you. Like, tur- I'll give you, do you want an example to give you sort of? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I made, I won't quote the pattern, but it was so, one of those things, you know, easy pattern to take it out and you realize it's got like 15 miles of bias tape. <laughs> and it was meant with a, like a quarter inch bias. So they said, okay, well, you know, you're going to sew it with a quarter inch seam, wrap it around another, you know, the other side's a quarter inch and a quarter inch seam. So they had you cut it an inch. You know, four quarters, that's the limit of my mathematical ability. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, that's not going to work because you're going to sew it, there's turn of cloth. That fabric, you're wrapping it around, is going to consume space. So 100%, you're going to end up with it short. And they're going to tell you to top stitch from the right side and you're going to miss it. And you're going to be freaked out because you have to do, you know, this great outfit before Christmas. And I thought, you know... That's just not doable, and this is why. So, you know, this is what you do. You cut it bigger and, you know, cut yourself a good, nice piece, stitch it on, send, you know, get it arranged, get it, then trim it to fit. That's like a really quick, so I did that, but I put in a lot of, because this is my life, I've sold my entire life every day when I should be doing other things, and so there's a lot of my personal life and people I know, like I've been talking to people about sewing my whole life. So there's stories. And the publisher did a very, they write this little blurb for Amazon where they are trying, so they get sent out to booksellers. I mean, I know nothing about publishing. And they described it as droll. And I thought, first of all, I thought, who used droll in like the last hundred years? And am I, like, I thought, it makes me sound like a gnome, you know? <laughs> but, and I thought, who is going, who's going to read that and say, damn, a droll book. I really want a droll. Uh, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up for a droll sewing book. So, I mean, that's what it is, right? That's so fun. I cannot wait for May 2018 so I can read your droll book, Barbara. I'm sure it's going to be hysterical with so many stories. You've got some great stories on your on your blog too. One of the things I love about your blog is the um, uh, the post that you entitle "Flypaper Thoughts." Yes. And I had never heard that phrase before, "Flypaper Thoughts." So can you tell us what what is a flypaper thought? Really? Yeah. Well, do you know what flypaper is? Yes. Okay. Sticky paper, right? For Sticky paper flies. that's in like really the kind of gas stations where you don't want to use the washroom, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's got all these dead flies. Well, the whole idea is the flies just fly by and get stuck to it. So these are my thoughts that fly by and just get stuck to my paper. Okay, got it. Oh, okay. Great. Anyway, so yes, yeah, so that's, I really like those. And I wrote them because otherwise I'm just talking to my family and, you know, 
they had kind of like burnt out with it. So I thought, okay, I'll just, <laughs> rather than say, hey, yeah. So, yeah. We, we can relate, Barbara. This is why we started this podcast, because our poor <laughs> friends and family were like, you know what, I just don't really care that much about I don't want to talk like, about interfacing. Like, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's not, interfacing is like boring, Barbara. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So these are your sort of fly-by, you know, whatever sticks to the paper kind of thoughts. And they turn out, you know, I, I so enjoy when you put out a post that's entitled Fly Paper Thoughts. Um, and you have one or two, I think, at the ready that you could read for us if you... Uh, do you want me to read one? Sure. Yes. Now, my printer was a bit sporadic, so some lines are in green and some lines are in black, but I'm sure we'll get through it. Okay. Well, this is one, uh, early change of season edition, and I write all of these in my bed late at night, Okay. It happened two weeks ago, that morning that had the taste of fall, that definite marker of the change of season. As usual, I'm not ready for this. Looks like another year that the to-do list for 2002 will be getting pushed forward. Fall sewing doesn't mean what it once did. Where are the piles of corduroy or wool flannel? When was the last time you sewed wool flannel? I have some ready to go, actually, ready to be cut out and since the fall to-do list of 2002. Last night, Miss Daisy got under a bush and shot out like a bullet. Her little back was covered in wasps. Poor thing must have found a nest. I pulled off as many as I could, and then she ran into the house. My husband has one of those bee sting allergy things, so I yelled, grab your EpiPen, go to the bathroom, and close the door. So do you know that in Windex is excellent for stopping wasps in their midair tracks? So they fall to the ground and you swat them. Well, now you know. Daisy ran up and down the hall all night, apparently stuck in, a, in the flight groove of a fight or flight. Glad that passed. What I want to know is where did this idea of selling fabric by half the yard come from? <laughs> Just when you think you finally scored a bargain, you multiply it by two. <laughs> where does this make buying fabric a good thing? What's next? A house for $200,000 for half the house? Bananas for 15 cents per half a banana or eight halves in a bunch? I had a joke with my grandchild, the middle one, the literal one. When I want her to do something and she isn't going along with me and asks, why do I have to do it? I say, because I am the boss of the world. And this makes her crazy. She's bad as you're not the boss of the world. God is. Every time. And it's really hard to argue with that one. <coughs> However, there's some couple of things I'm going to institute on the off chance I ever become the temporal boss of the world. In addition to fabric sold only in full yards and meters. Here we go. All industrial designers are to be strapped to chairs and forced to watch videos of real people trying to make their stuff work. <laughs> Grandmothers trying to install car seats in cars, for instance. <laughs> or trying to open one of those drawers with one hand that requires the strength of Charles Atlas and a PhD in engineering to figure out it's true, eh? <laughs> I would also fund research in the development of an eyeliner pencil that would, that would sharpen without the sharpened point falling off just and you get it near your eye. 
And then by the time, and then you sharpen, sharpen, you end up with half an inch, right? And you pay like 30 bucks for this thing, and your bathroom sink is full of little pointy fragments. I would bring back the sewing school curriculum. So we stop producing people who think it makes sense to pay $20 to have a ham restitched in plastic thread. By the way, I once knew a person who ran a tailor shop. This is true. She was in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. And she had a customer come in with a garment and say, can you cut off the tag? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think she charged like $15. It was less. You know, this is nuts. She wanted the label cut off the back of a dress. And this is like no word of a lie. I would ban the manufacture and sale of non-woven fusible interfacing, particularly <laughs> the kind that bubbles. And I would legislate someone to, to start manufacturing Viella again. I would add to the waist <laughs> measurements of all big four sewing patterns. Yes. I would make university tuition based on marks and merits. I need more students who can think for themselves and fewer who let other people think for them. That's like the only thing that matters. I would prescribe Bollywood dance movies for those who worry too much. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it'll work every time. And rhubarb pie to anybody who's feeling down, particularly if you eat it sitting on a step. <laughs> it's honestly it will work every time I would put a dog on every couch and a sewing machine back yeah. in every hall closet yeah. I would bring back saddle shoes if I was the boss of the world <laughs> here Yay. here How Barbara for president <laughs> when are you running for office Barbara ah uh, yeah Let's make you temporal boss of the world, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I know a few people we could get rid of, right? But yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm up for it, I'm up for it. Oh, that's great. I just, I, they, I always get such a giggle out of the flypaper thoughts. Do you, do you want to read another one? Because I enjoyed that so much. You want me to read another? Okay. Do you mind? No, no, let me see if I can find another one that begins. I don't, okay, all right. All right, hope, oh, I was going to say, I wonder if it's in order, but they're not written in order, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Completely irrelevant. If you are waiting to see my swimwear projects, you might want to settle in and keep waiting. Detour. <laughs> Arnold Palmer is off and home all next week, and we live four minutes from the golf course. So I decided to work up a golf outfit. Enraged that the stuff you buy is all polyester, which is like completely nuts, and about three times the price of the same stuff if it wasn't called golf clothes. So, so far I've had some hits and misses. Um, the test polo shirt tab bottom was just a little bit off in one corner. No one would notice, so I decided to fix it with my seam ripper. The operative word here is ripper. The polar polo shirt now has a crooked decorative patch under the tab. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I haven't really pulled a fix that crude since high school outfit days. Do you remember that stuff? Oh my god, the stuff you used to wear to high school? I once, you know I made <laughs> a, I once made a 
lime green and pink diamond patterned tent dress. And I actually wore lime green nylons to go with it. I oh, that's amazing. It. I thought I was so hot. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. You, well, you know when you're down to your last nerve, well, stop right there. I don't have much of a temper. I blow it about every 15 years or so I go off. But then you can sell tickets, which actually <laughs> reminds me of the knitting machine. I'm a, such a slow knitter. So I decided I'll get a knitting machine, right? Get it from eBay. It comes. It's great. How hard could I be? I was already bored when I looked at it. But anyway, uh, my husband could run it like a charm. And I did my best, but the thing required the amount of time to set up as it does to knit a sweater. Well, and when you have it all ready to sew, it jams. So I threw it out of a second story window. window. And, uh, <laughs> and my husband got me because I had my car keys and I was going to go out in the driveway and drive back and forth over it just to make sure that I would never be tempted. And he said, no, nah, you can't do that. So that was 15 years ago. So we're due. We're due for we're something. Due. Oh we're my. due. For uh oh. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of violence, a giant excavator backed up over the car when my husband was inspecting a job site this week. He tells flypaper flies. He was fine, but the car looked like a giant excavator backed up over it. Hence the week <laughs> off golf, I think. I'm probably the worst golfer you could meet. A lot more interested in the outfit than my handicap. Do we have another page? Oh, by the way, <laughs> do you know... <clears throat> what Birdie, which is my son's frequent visitor dog, once left for me as a present under the couch. It was a single raccoon hand. No raccoon, oh. no raccoon attached. Sort of took me by surprise. <laughs> kind of moved over the cushion and I thought, that looks like a small black hand. It's... <laughs> And it looks like a human hand, but it's small and it's black and it's by itself under my cat. They've got those little opposable thumbs, too. Yeah, so it's, it's eerie how human it looks, actually. Um, and at that moment, it became apparent to me I do not live in New York. Um, anyway, we put it in the compost and... Birdie's generally, he's a pretty good dog. I, I don't really know what happened to it. What reminded me of that? The knitting machine, the excavator. More like it was a crooked patch on this on the skirt shirt, which reminded me of surprises. Something uh, that serious brings all of life's surprises and regrets to the surface. I mean, really, I sew better than that. Off I go. Fresh to start tomorrow, new fabric, new patterns. Some sores have good bounce back. We have no choice. Nice. Another good one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I hadn't read that one. Yeah. I, I, wish, uh, I wish our listeners could, could have seen your face, Helena, when uh, Barbara got to the part about the raccoon hand. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just, oh. My grandchildren want me to write another book. And they're of all my stories, like the raccoon head, and they want it to be called Stories No One Should Tell Children by Babs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. I would I would pre-order that book too, for sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, so much fun. Yeah, I really enjoy reading reading those posts. And you you also recently did a series on your blog um about hemming knits and you started off with exhibit A and got all the way to exhibit H. Now, I don't H, know how yeah. many, that's like t- 9 or 10. I could uh, have different... kept going. I could have kept I I am after Christmas going to go back and do more series. It was kind of fun. Yeah. So, so what did you, I mean, what are your best tips then for, um, I know that you love to sew knits, so you probably have some tips in general, but, but you did this very specific testing of different ways to hem knit. So what were your uh, conclusions from this scientific experiment you did? Well, I think I always like to include things that can be done on an ordinary sewing machine. I, you know, it's very frustrating. People say you have to have a cover hem. I mean, that's so, I mean, it's a dedicated machine. Yes, they're great, but you can do beautiful things that I've actually scaled all my equipment back. I have a surgeon to cover him. I've given all my top-of-the-line sewing machines away, and I'm sewing right now on a Rocketeer that I bought from somebody, a singer Rocketeer in 1960. I bought from a guy in his backyard. He was sitting outside in his backyard. And uh, Bernina, that my husband and I assembled from parts we bought on eBay. So wow. it's great. It's like a snowplow. And I'm happier than it is. <laughs> So, okay. That's how you did the cork and leather bag, I guess, if you used the giant Oh, I did. Yeah, it was fantastic. Okay, so sewing knits, I think a couple of things. um, Don't overpress. These instructions that tell you to press up and knit hem are nuts. It kills it. It's like if you knit a sweater, you wouldn't give it a good press, right? So don't press it. Fold it up. I would woolly nylon in the bobbin. Do you know that? That's fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Hand wind it because if you ha- if you wind it on your machine, you're going to stretch it, and then it's going to retract once it's the uh, it comes through the machine. So it's actually going to pucker it. So hand wind your bobbin, and then you can use a straight stitch if you you know that's what you're comfortable with. Just a straight stitch, a slightly longer stitch length, because you don't want to overwork it. That's going to wave your hem, and that mm-hmm. will give you a nice stretchable uh, straight stitch hem. Mm. And so woolly nylon, just for, for listeners who may not know, it's just a, a stretchy thread, right? Yeah, it's, it looks actually, if you're not sure what it is, it looks fuzzy. It looks like kind of a knitting yarn, and that's very handy. There's the Euroflex from Coats, which I have yet to test because I've been too busy, but it's supposed to have the same function. Uh, you use a twin needle as well. Again, always really advise using the woolly nylon in the bobbin. It, it deals with a, a lot of the stretchability issues. Uh, a twin needle is great because any zigzag stitch stretches, so you can use that. That'll give you your two parallel rows of stitching as well. Um, How do you prevent tunneling with, with twin needle stitching? I've had that issue. I mean, sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't, and I don't really know what I'm doing differently. It's it, You know what? The trick there is the width that how wide apart your twin needle is set because you've got to think of a knit fabrics like bubblegum. It's mobile. It's the pastry of fabrics. It stretches and moves. So if you have a wide set, um, if you have a wider set twin needle and a sewing thread that's rigid, so it's going to, the fabric is going to pull in, like there's room to make that, that little kind of ridge. If your needles are closer set, there's not enough room to make the ridge. And if you have the woolly nylon, the fabric can relax a little bit. It depends. And it also, you know, well, 
knits are like people. They're, they're slightly different personalities. I mean, you can use a lot of my friends. They put uh, iron a strip of uh, fusible, inter like a knit interfacing fusible, the stuff that looks like a treacle, uh, like slip fabric. You, If you iron it with a stretchy, like the stretch going, the same as the fabric, then that will stabilize it. I'm a bit... I only do that if the knit itself is heavier than the interfacing. If you try to put that on a t-shirt knit or a light knit, I think it weighs it down too much. The other thing is people can use, you can use a little zigzag, which will work well. The one thing I don't advise and I never use are straight stitches. Everybody's got these machines with these reverse action stitches that go forward and backwards. They're marketed as straight stitches. And that was when people, when uh, knit fabrics first came in the market and they were worried they were going to break. So they thought, well, they won't break. We'll make them so tough they won't break. So the machine moves it forward and backwards like honeycomb stitches. And it's just too much. It, it stretches and warps the fabric. So I really avoid those. Uh, like the play. So those would be kind of some of my general hints. And, of course, a hand stitch. A hand catch stitch is a fantastic way of hemming knits. Right. The catch stitch being the one where you sew a slip stitch goes from uh, right to left and a catch stitch goes from left to right. And it's the one that looks like a series of X's. And because it itself is a kind of a hand version of a zigzag, it will have mobility without, uh, it'll stretch without breaking. And that's a very good uh, other alternative. Or you can use a cover hem. Wow. I think I've got to work on my hand sewing game. It's not something I tend to enjoy doing, and I always tend to use the same stitch, and I know that you I'm know doing what? it. You know what? I know the stitch you're using. You're using a stitch that's like an over and over stitch. That's mm -hmm. the one, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you ditch that stitch, ditch that stitch. Okay. <laughs> Learn the catch stitch, and the other one is to do like a proper slip stitch. Is real, too bad I can't show you. You just, what you do is, it's the one that goes from right to left, and the trick is, if you hide the needle, you're hiding the stitch. So you put it, take it just a thread, and then rather than going over, like over it, you go underneath under the hem, so you can't see the needle. And then pick up oh. the little, little thread. Mm -hmm. And that will give mm -hmm. you tiny little vertical stitches. And it will encourage you in hand sewing because it will be so pretty and you'll feel so smart. <laughs> that's exactly why I don't hand sew is because my hand sewing looks so bad that it is discouraging every time I try it and every time I'm like oh well I just ruined that lovely project that I did so well and then my ugly hand stitches are in it now and of course that's a that's a question of practice I need to get in there and practice but... who's, who's going to teach you I should do a video where do you live <laughs> I live in Southern California oh I'm going to be in my RV in California in. Oh, goody. Yes. I, um, yeah, because we're going up to San Francisco. We're going to, I should just like drop by and like mm -hmm. sit in the lodge here and I'll show you how to hand stitch, okay? That would be fantastic. Oh, I don't suppose you're dropping by Toronto anytime soon, are you, Barbara? Uh, I might. <laughs> yeah, I might. But because you, you know what? If you have a nice hand stitch, then, I mean, it's like anything else. You think, oh, damn, I'm good. You know, and, oh, I know. <laughs> Which is why we sew, right? So we can say, oh, damn, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. But yeah, it's worth doing. Because sometimes you can only get control with hand stitching. Yeah, I'm sewing um, 
I'm sewing another kimono for myself, and it is banded with velvet. And wow. I know <laughs> why am I doing this to myself? And I know that I need to hand stitch that band, the back of it. And I was, I've just been, I've hand basted it, hoping that I can run it through the machine in the ditch so that I won't have to hand sew it because I know like before I know I'm going to do it in this lovely it's in this beautiful burnout velvet and then the the um, band is in this oh gorgeous turquoise velvet and I just know that my hand stitching is going to ruin it so oh no you can't do it what, what's the velvet made out of oh poly it's a it's a stretch poly okay mm -hmm. a stretch poly no you can't it's not going to ditch stitch it's going to go like water under your it's gonna be hard to do yeah okay send me your email and i will send you a picture okay from my Wonderful. book of a slip stitch okay don't tell okay. the publisher all right <laughs> don't tell the publisher so we have two people now who are banned from listening to this podcast oh uh, goodness Barbara's publisher and anyone who is a former premier canadian premier good <laughs> Oh dear, we're really cutting down on our on our <laughs> that reach there, here. Yeah, there, there goes your listener base right there. I know, <laughs> those thousands. Barbara, I can tell you're a really passionate teacher because I can I can see the enthusiasm. You know, oh, you need to know this, and and I want to show you. Um, what's what's your favorite thing about teaching, whether it's sewing or anything else? Uh, well, teaching's all the same. I don't tell anybody at the university that. Listen, you got, you're exactly like sewing students, <laughs> because they are. Um, I, when I teach sewing, it's seeing women walk in and they tell me all the things they're not. I'm not creative. I'm not good at this. I tried that. I messed it up. Look what I've done. It's probably terrible. And to actually do something with them and say, look, you know what? Is it, like, you're fantastic. And um, it's really easy. Uh, it's not, I guess, you know, it's not you, it's them. Nobody could do that. I'll show you a trick. You did it. You're, you're a genius. You're, you're like, you're born to sew, kid. And they say, yeah, I, I am. And that's like fantastic. It's fantastic to give that to somebody. So satisfying, isn't it? What's your favorite, um, you, you've teached various classes and workshops. I know you've done some online webinars with Berta Style. Um, I know that you've worked at local um, uh, studio, sewing studios uh, in your neighborhood and probably many other things. What's, what's your favorite thing to teach or a workshop or a subject? I like everything, really. Um, I, like, I like knits because knits are fast. Because often sewing students or people will say, I, you know, I wanted to do something for myself. And they're shoe hoarding that into their lives. And they think it's going to be, you know, really strict. And I'll say, listen, anything we make in this, you cut it out after supper and it'll be done before you go to bed. And so I like that. I, I like shirts. I like shirts when sometimes I often you get men in some classes in shirts and and they, they don't know, they have no supposed to's in their mind. So, you know, you show them, like, that's a buttonhole, and they say, man, cool. <laughs> you cut it open, the button's going to go in there. Cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Um, I like, I've done outerwear, which I like um, to do a lot because of, you know, weather. Like, that's really, you can be warm, you can be dry, we can customize. I, I can't actually think of any kind of sewing I do. Oh, there's only, you want to know what I don't like? How about that? I can only think of one thing. I don't like those kind of ladies who lunch. Oh, there goes another section of the of the uh, listeners. But uh, you know those those really painful Chanel jackets that are people worry so much. Am I doing it right? Like I don't. You know, there's seventy five different rights and whatever one works for you. So I don't like anything too prescriptive. But I don't do that. I mean, I eyeball my life, right? So I can't teach that anyway. Have you had any, I read on your blog that you were talking about all the sewing you were doing for your family this Christmas. And you spoke about, you mentioned a story about a woman, I think in one of your classes, who broke down crying. Yes. Because she had bit off more than she could chew in terms of sewing for her family. What was that story? She was, oh. I almost her let her name slip. Anyway, she came into a class, and it was an outerwear winter jacket class, which is very demanding, and she came, and she looked like death warmed over. And she had this extended family, decided she was making, like, 47 people matching pajamas. And she just <laughs> sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And we're, we're saying, like, it's only flannelette pajamas. Like, it's, it's okay. Like, we'll drive you to Walmart. It's okay, you know? <laughs> and, it's, you know, sewing's not a performance art. And we had to phone her husband. And he was actually a TV camera and said, I don't know what you're shooting at. You got to come home and take her home, right? Because like, she can't. She's, and I actually was on a Facebook group this morning, and one of the questions was, what percentage of your wardrobe do you sew? And I wrote 100%. And I immediately regretted it because that's because I don't, there's so many other things I don't want to do. So I sew all the time. Uh, <laughs> and these people were saying, 5% and I hope to do better. And I wanted to say, you know what? 5% is fine. It doesn't, it's not, you know, it's not a race. It's not a degree granting thing. And I th I'm worried a little bit that some young sewers are putting themselves under that quantifiable thing. You know, like I started this long time with this really stupid idea I had when they said everybody should have you know, a white shirt. So I decided I was going to make like 10 white shirts. I made one and I decided I look terrible in white shirts. So I canceled it. And I had all these people who signed up to do it. And I thought, you know what? We don't need any competitions. We've got enough other pressures in our lives, right? Yeah, so much. We tend to put so much pressure on ourselves uh, sometimes. And I don't know why we do it. I do it all the time. You know, I started sewing something last night and I'm like, I don't have time to do this. Why am I trying to get this done before the holidays in order to give to someone? Yeah, exactly. And that's really, like my daughter looked at me once and she said, Mom, you know, they have stores. People who don't sew like, And the moment your sewing becomes an obligation, you've got to really stop and, yeah, and look at what you're Then you have to do something like really stupid and frivolous. Like eat pie on the stairs. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Or watch a Bollywood movie. Yeah, completely. Completely. <laughs> Except then you look at it and say, man, I need more color in my wardrobe, you know? Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. In the wintertime for sure. 
I think it's interesting that you uh, taught for Berta style. Yes. Because their instructions are so cryptic. So did you love being able to add some clarity to that? Was that, I mean, that would be very satisfying. Yes. Well, I originally saw my first Berta magazine in Yugoslavia um, when I don't speak Yugoslavian or read it, but I kind of looked at the shapes and put it together. I mean, obviously everything's lost in the translation uh, in in those. uh, So a Berta style, you really just have to look at the shapes. And if you've sewn enough of them, you can kind of translate, uh, you know, a lot of the words in your head. But yes, that was nice sewing for Berta style. But, But then I would get so many follow up emails. And, oh, yeah. uh, like I have a massive amount of emails from people about things. And I really, I felt a little bit frustrated with that format because I couldn't sit with them. I couldn't come over to their house and show them what to, although I, you know, I think it was, but they were fun. I liked doing them. Yeah. Well, I, the thing about Berta style patterns is they're so fashion forward and they usually include such interesting details that you don't always have prior knowledge of that since the big four isn't putting those kinds of patterns out yes i don't have the background to to um to pull that out of my you know sewing arsenal and so that's 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 part of the charm and the frustration with Berta style for me specifically yes they're well drafted patterns what they need is they need something, I don't know, do you sew any October designs? No, I never have. Mm-mm. And they have actually, uh, very similar, but they also have, uh, usually in every magazine, a couple of like basic things like a tab front or a zipper installation that they do in detail. So when you get to that stage, you can refer to it. Probably with Berta style, because there's a real path. Actually, I once proposed it to them and I never heard back. It's amazing. <laughs> I wanted to do a little, like, um, a kind of, like, a tutorial that would go along. When you read this, they want you to do this. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a break out the, um, to the side and be like, what they mean, insert zipper actually means these 10 steps that they're not giving you. Yes, yeah. exactly, because it's because they are very, they're really quality patterns, but they presuppose prior knowledge. And I guess that's what my book is, is about too. And why I would like to write a couple more, because I mean, they had 900 pages. Um, <laughs> that to, Of those things that when people would get to something, they could look up and say, I don't want another thing telling me the right way to do it. I want somebody to say you know what if this isn't going to work out for you yeah but try this right yeah so um yeah a friend of well on the podcast our last podcast we had maris on and maris and i discussed uh the fact that we don't follow the pattern directions very closely because we have our own set of um, best practices and stuff, and your fabric can be wildly different for what the, they're writing, which is why your hemming hit uh, the hemming knits is so valuable because that has nothing to do with what pattern you're sewing. That's a has to do with your knits and the application that you're putting it in, and it can be applicable to so many ways. And then you get that down, and you can apply it 
to all your knit patterns, which is what we all want to sew anyway and wear. Seth, you need a toolbox. We need a toolbox. Tell me something. Was that series useful? Should I work through other details like that? Like I could do a zipper one or, yeah, maybe I'll do that. Yeah, I love that because, um, because there's just, there's conflicting things on the internet. Yes. And then you go, so then you're like, no, I'm just going to do it by the pattern directions. But man, it varies within the same big four. Like McCall's will var- will tell you how to do a zipper one way and then do a zipper another way and do a zipper. I'm just like, how, who, I and I had read or heard or in all my obsession with um, learning about sewing, I had read that they, at McCall's and some of the big fours, they kind of, um, they have a big, a big uh, database of these techniques. They copy and, they and paste them. In. Yeah, copy and paste them in. And, but then why do they vary <laughs> within, within the same? Listen, listen, don't get me started. <laughs> Honestly, because what they do is they do this kind of old school home ecky, like things you, and that's it. Like they tell you to stay stitch knits. Yes. Right? Yes. They mm-hmm. tell you to uh, to stitch and press up and, and then hem. And I'm thinking somebody's going to do it and it will kill it. They t- tell you to do all this stuff that is like completely insane because it's the way it should be. I mean, I once had a pattern. This is like, this is my best one. Where they, it was for underwear, for panties. And they had you slip stitch in the crotch panel. And I thought... The person writing that or allowing that to go out is not sitting in underwear with slip stitch crotches. <laughs> right? No. They should be made to sit in slip stitch crotched underwear for a week. <laughs> yeah. And so why are you telling that some poor girl is going to be trying to do it and say, geez, this doesn't look right, you know? And, right. and that really annoys me. Like, it's, it's nuts because everybody knows better. So that's, and some of the indie patterns are terrific and some are not because some have done the equivalent of cut and paste. They've, they figured out and made something and then they feel now they're selling a pattern, they should copy the instructions and they're, they're not relevant. I mean, if I, yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it, that's why I think your book is going to be so valuable and interesting because that kind of knowledge that you get over so long is what we all want you know as quick as possible so that we can have the most successful projects as possible and so that we can you know step back and and be proud of ourselves and make those decisions for ourselves the the finishing decisions the when to hand stitch when to yeah, that that is going to be great. I'm pre-ordering the book for sure. Mm-hmm. And just to remind everyone, it's called Sew, the Garment Making Book of Knowledge, Real Life Lessons from a Serial Sewist. And it's by our guest, Barbara Emoti. Which is an Amazon pre-order and that makes no sense to me. I mean, it's not like it's the new iPhone. <laughs> I don't think people are going to be sleeping on the sidewalk to, you know, to my book, but it's coming out May 6th. Yeah. Oh, I love that because we can order it now and we and then it 
will, you know, put it out of our mind. We know that's done, which is a good thing to get off our to-do list. And then when it comes in May, we're going to be so excited. <laughs> it's kind of like hiding your own Easter eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it, I hope somebody buys it enough so I can do another one because I'm waking up at night and I'm thinking, oh, I should have told them about that. You know, because <laughs> how did I leave that out? You know? <laughs> uh, that's exciting. Looking forward to that quite a bit. Maybe, Barbara, I'll just uh, leave you with one last question here. Uh, it, you know, the new year is coming up. Have you got any sewing goals for 2018? Yes, I do. I am going to try to sew as many new indie patterns as possible. Ooh, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, That's great. like I, I really, I mean, I, I do a lot anyway, but I'm really going to focus on that because I do have my favorites, but I, like I know, one thing sewing, teaching songs taught me is there's amazing talent everywhere and I want to make sure I can find it. So that's, that's my, that's my, yeah, that's my goal. That's probably my only life goal right now. That's a good one. What about you, Helena? Do you have sewing goals for the new year? Oh, I haven't written my sewing goals uh, yet, so I, I have nothing, but I did uh, start organizing things for the next year. So we're making progress. I have a, a list of things. At least I have a list. Okay. You know me and my lists. <laughs> well, that's good. Yes. Lists are, I don't have them, but that's good. Yeah. Good for you. It, it, it calms me. The list calms me. So it's it may not be stuck to or in any way helpful, but making the list calms me. Right. I like lists. How about you, Lori? Well, I have no list for the new year, but there is one thing that I'm not allowed to do. I have thrown my hat in the ring for the ready-to-wear fast of 2018. I saw that. Uh, Brave. I know, right? I'm, I'm nervous. I have to admit I'm definitely nervous. But um, so, so this is something that um, Sarah Gunn from Goodbye Valentino is sort of hosting. She put, put the challenge out there and said, do you want to participate in this thing? Let us know. So I sent in my tentative pledge saying, okay, I'm nervous, but I'm pledging to do this. So it's no buying any new clothes for 2018. Uh, I am allowed to buy shoes and jewelry and I think underwear is okay too, but no ball gowns, no ball gowns. I say that as if I'm going to go to a ball. <laughs> um, no bathing suits, uh, no scarves, uh, no clothes. So you I can do have that. to admit too that I just did a massive online purchasing spree before the <laughs> end wondering. of the year. I was wondering. You have to. Yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah. good for and you. So I think 2018 might be the year for jeans for me, like for, for making jeans, because that's always right. scared me quite a bit. And so if I, although I did just buy two new pairs of jeans in my year end spree, um, so maybe I won't, but we'll see how that goes. So Jeans are okay. Jeans are not. They're they cotton. Cotton's easy to sew. You'll be fine. Oh, you're yeah. awesome, Barbara. I, yeah. I need you here at my sewing table while I'm sewing. You can do this, girl. You got it. <laughs> we could all use that bottle. I don't say anything isn't true. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Je jeans. You can do jeans, Lori. You're, you're there. Yeah. I'm going to give it yeah. a shot this year, I think. So. Use a to um, get a top stitching needle for your top stitching, though. Okay. That's a needle with a really big eye. People don't know mm -hmm. about them. They're one of the best kept secrets because then you can use a jeans thread and it's got enough room to move easily it'll make beautiful jeans top stitching okay yeah i had trouble with that too that's um i'm already yeah 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 i didn't i didn't have the right needle i guess in my um 
my top stitching thread just shredded and it didn't work. And so what I ended up doing is just using two threads, uh, two regular threads for my top stitching. Yep. But I know that top stitching with a uh, thread would look so much better. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to go grab that. Yeah. They're fantastic. Okay. Great advice, Barbara. Thank you. Yay. And thank you both so much for making some time this close to uh, Thanks you for know, talking the sewing. Madness. That's great. Okay. Yeah, so it's like a Christmas present to get to talk to you guys anyway. Talk about sewing. Guess what? My family's not going to want to hear about sewing for the next few days. So I know. I know. <laughs> and listen, send me your email and I'll send you something about that slip stitch, okay? I'm excited. Yeah, I will hand stitch that then. You you have you ha I need to practice it. Oh, and I want some recorded audio when you get to California, Barbara, and you set up your lawn chair on Helena's lawn and you sit down and have a little personalized lesson. Well, there. We I, have this, to, uh, I have this. We want to hear all that go down. <laughs> I have this idea of like posting my route and saying, we're going through, you know, whatever, Albuquerque, if you, you know. Oh, please do. That would be great. Yeah. I'll drop by and have a, we'll have a little hour sewing and then I'll hop back in the RV and off we yeah. go. I mean, like if you're going to be nutty, you might as well be really nutty, right? Oh, I, I love it, Barbara. You absolutely should do that. And that's one of the wonderful things about this sewing community is there are people who would be delighted to meet you because they've been reading your blog and you've been reading theirs. And, uh, you know, I think that's great. I'm sure there would be pe lots of people who would take you up on that and you'd get to absolutely. meet all kinds of cool people and have fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, have a, I, have a, I have a sewing date um, with, with a friend that I met. Uh, so you think you can. Mm -hmm. She's going to be in San Diego. And we're going to meet up then. She contacted me through Instagram. So that's going to be fantastic. That's fantastic. That's yes. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yay. All right. Well, all the best to you both. And thanks so much for your time today. Okay. Happy holidays. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening.